I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 89 of the Food About Town podcast, Ralph Tatucci, the founder of Good Deed Hospitality, came over to the studio to talk about his premium ice business called Cristalino, which is located inside of his soon-to-open bar supply store, Bar Mecca, located on Richmond Street in the city. Ralph is a former resident of Los Angeles, grew up in, grew up in Rochester, but moved to L.A., he worked at 213 Hospitality Group and recently moved back to Rochester. We talked about what drew him back and where he sees Rochester moving in the future. If you enjoyed this episode, please reach out to Ralph and let him know you enjoyed it. And he's mr.cristalino, that's C-R-I-S-T-A-L-L-I-N-O on Instagram. And make sure you copy me on that as well. I'm at Stromy on Instagram. And you share it out Food About Town on Facebook or Twitter at Stromy. Thanks for listening. Winter's definitely struck, and tomorrow looks like pure winter brutality of Rochester. We got 48 inches coming. This is Chris Lindstrom, your weatherman, talking. Uh, but that's not really why we're here. I've got a guest across from me. Why don't you introduce yourself, sir? Sure. My name is Ralph Tatucci. So, what are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm a barman. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great first thing, right? Yeah. So, and that's, you know, I really I appreciate the people that use that term. Um, and it seems like the people that use that term um, most are the people that, I don't, I don't think they're understating what they are, but I think it's a respect to the uh, craft of actually doing the bartending work and doing all that stuff. Yeah, I'll say it's been um, the way I've identified myself for the longest of anything I've done in my life. So um, I, I've been fortunate and gotten to do a couple other things in my career, but I'll always identify as a barman first because that's the backbone of how my whole career came about. So. Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of interesting because, I mean, a lot of people um, in my day job, I work in manufacturing, and a lot of the people that um, I rely on for information are the people that built themselves up from working at the base level of that job, mm -hmm. whether it be machining, whether it be being a barman. Mm -hmm. um, Having gone through that whole experience, I think gives you a different perspective on the other things that you're doing now. Oh yeah, uh, I would say that uh, you know, right now I, I spend most of my time in other facets, whether it's consulting or manufacturing peripheral products or whatever it is that I'm doing to kind of put something in the middle, contribute to the culture. But um, having an understanding of how each piece of the puzzle is put together is you know, what we'll makes you familiar enough to to be able to work through the different steps and get better. So. Yeah. So 
Yeah, let's first off, let's throw out a plug for um, one of your businesses, which we got to spend some time on last time I saw you, which is your, um, let me know if I butcher this, by the way. All right, cool. This is the Cristalano. Cristalino. Cristalino. Mm -hmm. Cristalino Ice Company, Mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, I've gotten my glass right now. (laughs) I mean, it sounds great. But the other thing is it looks fantastic. Thank you. Um, so why don't we talk about that for a minute? Because one, I think it's really cool. I mean, so to speak. <laughs> um, but what it is is taking another part of the bar business and turning it into a craft product. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about the ice and how, how it comes, how you make ice, and why, why the hell did you do this? Why are you making ice by hand? Uh, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, when I first came back to Rochester, which is about a year ago now, I, I grew up here, and when I was 22, I moved to L.A. And um, 22? I didn't know it was that young you moved out. Yeah, yep. Um, I moved out there, and I was really fortunate after a little bit of time to hook on with a great hospitality company um, that I spent 16 years with. And in that company, I went from bar back to all the way to director of two divisions within the company. See, um, I, d- I definitely want to spend some time on that, though, because sure. I'm, I'm really interested in... That whole organization. I, you've talked about it a bunch when we've talked. Oh yeah. Offline, I, I'm interested in learning a little bit of more about what, like what they do. Okay. And uh, some of the impacts. Actually, you know, what? I'm going to pivot right to that now because we're let's talk about that part of your yeah sure part of your life. So what what was what's that group? And I'm sure it's still in existence, of course. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, they're growing. They have more venues online. You know, uh, we started out with one venue. I want to say it was in 2004 or five. It was the Golden Gopher in downtown, um, and so uh, is that is that before downtown LA started to get like hip and popular? I would say that was honestly one of the first, if not the first, kind of bar that was doing craft cocktails in downtown. It's on Eighth um, in Olive, so right near Skid Row. Well, it was right near Skid Row. Now right. it's kind of evolved quite a bit. Well, I mean that because that's oftentimes this is how it works, right? Someone comes in. And I know that's kind of been a hot button issue in LA over the last two years. Are these um, places coming into neighborhoods and then they end up changing because of it? Yeah, I would say that definitely has been, you know, a common topic in LA. But you know, it just there's so much bigger things at play in that. When you oh, talk, of course, right. Um, in terms of the evolution of downtown, though, I would say nightlife definitely led the way or was at the forefront in any ways. Uh, people started venturing downtown for the first time, and you know, since I've been there for sure, and uh, I'm sure well before. But the idea that you could go downtown, find great cocktails, safe environment was kind of a surprise. When I first moved to LA, that was an impossibility. Right, there wasn't anything just hanging around. Nobody was hanging out there, other than the people who were just kind of hanging out there. Yeah, more people were in West L.A., and there'd be downtown people, but it'd be daytime because people would work, and then they'd all split at night, so right. it would just be kind of empty. Well, know? I mean, that's kind of analogous to you know what downtown Rochester was for the last few years. Tell me about it. That's part of why what's going on here appeals to me so much is because I've been fortunate enough to see that already happen once, where, where you know nightlife, hospitality, all these amazing developers are, are downtown and um, you know creating stuff out of... You know, I can't even tell you when the city had all these inhabitants prior, but there's bones of greatness. There, there's so many amazing buildings and neighborhoods, and to see people flood in and and make it vibrant again, that's exactly what happened in L.A. and now it's happening here. So yeah, so I mean, that was the one. That was the first place, and um, 
you were there when that happened. Yeah, I remember when it happened because um, <clears throat> the proprietor of the company and I had met years before that. Uh, there was a bar in Silver Lake that opened called the 4100 Bar. And um, I'd already had years of bartending experience, but I took a bar back job there because I knew that bar was going to be a massive success. It's in Silver Lake. And um, and Silver Lake's kind of, is it like the hipster capital of LA in a lot of ways, or is it yeah, fancier? It's, it's pretty hipster, I'll okay. say. It's, I wouldn't say it's fancy, but it's like very comfortable place, man. Just people all know each other and hang out casually all the time. And they have great food, great, great clothing, great entertainment, you name it, you know? Um, so I lived there for you know, 16 years with my wife. Okay, awesome. Yeah, but um, the 4100 bar predated uh, 213 Hospitality by a couple of years. Uh, there was a partnership that ended up splitting, and then 4100 bar became part of 213. But in the meantime, uh, the Golden Gopher had set up downtown, Seven Grand had set up, um, a number of the others were starting to fill in. I, I think they got Coles during that time, Coles French Dip, which is... Are they argue to be the uh, creator of the French Dip? Which is oh, not not claim. that not that other place that I've seen on TV. Is it like Phillips or Philippe's? Yeah, or Philippe's. Yeah. yeah, right, right. But um, there's every city has that, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you talk about here in Rochester, you've got you know, um, you know, Nick Tahoe's and Steve T's split apart. Sure. Uh, you know, in Philly, you've got all those people who are right across the street from each other. Mm-hmm. And hell, even here in Rochester, we've got like um, some of the original Indian families that split apart that now runs separate groups of Indian restaurants here in town. See, I think that's so cool. And then it's like, who was the originator? Well, I think that rivalry <laughs> is awesome and synergistic and keeps people relevant. They're like, okay, what's going on? Yeah, who yeah. invented it? Who's going to be the best at least? So, But um, we took that venue, Coles, and that was you know, a good hit. Inside of that um, was a speakeasy called The Varnish. That was, uh, oh, inside the French Dip place. Yeah. that's that's I, I love when those are done properly. Yeah, I'll say the varnish was definitely proper. Um, it was operated; it's still operated by uh, Eric Alperin from the Milk and Honey family. Okay, I mean they're that's one of the big names in uh, like craft cocktails. Eric, oh yeah, he's amazing. And Milk and Honey was the family that he came up through in New York. Um, Sasha Petrosky is the guy who did Milk and Honey in New York, and he was also a partner on the varnish and also half step in Austin, Texas, before he passed. So okay, yeah, because I mean. Yeah, that's like, I don't know a ton of the names, but that's one of the names that you can't, if you're in and around this at all, you've heard that name a ton of times. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, very talented, amazing yeah. barman as well. So, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the group's growing, right? You're growing throughout your, what is this, in what, the first four years or so you're working for them? Is it growing or is it? Well, I was with 4100 Bar, and um, then I went over to, uh, this is so funny, I haven't thought about this in a long time, yeah. but I went over and they opened a bar called Broadway Bar. Which, okay. Um, it was one of the first handful of bars that 213 did, and they're still operating and doing well. But um, it was crazy because I remember sitting at the employees meeting before we ever opened. It was like a training meeting and stuff. And I was like, this is a circular bar. Where's the trash? They didn't put any trash <laughs> behind the bar so we couldn't throw anything out. But um, like I said, the bar was incredible. And, you know, its identity over the years has been interesting. It's been um, a nightlife hotspot. It's been a dance club. It's been a neighborhood style bar. Um, but some people have been at that bar literally for like 12 years. It's been an awesome home for that neighborhood. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of interesting to see how something like that changes because people's ideas of neighborhood bars 
are completely different from one another, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think what my picture of a neighborhood bar is very different than a guy who likes a traditional dive bar. Yeah, it's interesting. What, what my title with 213 grew to be Director of Neighborhood <laughs> Bar. So, oh, really? Yeah. That's so, a great title, by the way. Great title. I, I enjoyed that position a lot because I got to work with amazing people and amazing venues. And um, I, I'll say the idea of neighborhood bars... Um, what you mentioned about it, the idea that every every bar is kind of a neighborhood bar, right? Yeah. Depends on what neighborhood you're in. <laughs> and if, if you're in kind of like an industrial district, then a nightclub is your neighborhood bar. And if you're in kind of like a grittier part of town, it might be some dive bar that is your neighborhood bar. But what was fun was looking at the different neighborhoods within Los Angeles and translating that neighborhood to a cocktail program, a, a cast of bartenders and barbacks who made sense for that yeah. application. It was cool. Well, and that that kind of, I mean, that that makes a lot of sense now that you describe what you were doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because what what is that? You're reading, you're reading people, you're reading an area, and you're trying to meet needs that exist. Yeah, that's that's all it is. I mean, the idea that you trust the guests that come in there to tell you what it is that they they want, they need out of that venue. Yeah. So it's almost like that Venn diagram of like what I love to do or what, what our family's good at doing and what this neighborhood needs and where that overlap is. We spend a lot of time there. Right, but not not trying to force, you know, you might think, hey, God, right now, God, I, I really want to do a, an Amaro bar right here oh, in yeah, this neighborhood. Right, right. That sounds like a great idea until you look at the neighborhood and nobody wants to drink obscure Italian right. Amaros. Well, you better be in a pretty culinary neighborhood to open that bar. Yeah, but exactly. I think, I think some neighborhood needs that bar. Yeah. Know? So um, that, that's what I mean. No bar or idea in and of itself is a good or bad idea. It's all about having the right application, right tool for the job, however you want to say it. Yeah, yeah. You know? So that's that's the position you had through most of your tenure there as yeah, you moved out? Yeah, it was to tailor uh, the neighborhood bars towards their neighborhoods. And, you know, I think um, where, where my strength has been in, um, in hospitality has been team building and data analysis. So I look a lot at hiring and training and building the best team and getting the most out of your team you possibly can. Yeah. And... Um, I also look at P and L. One one of my core core values about business. By the way, hold on. Yeah. Let's let's throw that acronyms. I love acronyms. Uh huh. But people don't know what they are. What is P and L? Profit and loss statements. There you go. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I one of my core values about business is that business is a professional sport. So I play this like a fun game, you know. Mm-hmm. And to me, the idea of acquiring sales is like offense. We score some points. And the idea of managing the P&L and the expense part of the business is the defense. Yeah. So I, I love that part of the business a lot. Well, it's So it's it's uncommon to find the people that enjoy that part of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I love talking about it because I find it fascinating. Yeah. The people I know who love numbers, I mean truly love numbers. Yeah. I, I'm, I love using numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure I love the numbers. Ah, okay. You know what I mean? I love using numbers. I love having applications for numbers. I'm not sure I love the numbers. The numbers are signifiers of the behavior that got to that point. So it's almost like some people love to watch the ball game. Yeah. I love to read the box scores because in looking at Me the too. numbers, I know what happened in like five minutes instead there, of having to watch the whole game. There's nothing I love more than the um, the you know surging popularity of advanced statistics mm-hmm. in baseball and basketball and all the other sports 
I dove so hard onto those right away. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. Because I'm learning more and more about why things are the way they are mm-hmm. because that's what they're designed to do. Yeah. I mean, it, tradition's great. I mean, people want to talk about traditional stuff all the time, and tradition has a great place in all these things that we do. Mm-hmm. But if you forget about, hey, you, if you can if you can make numbers actually reflect reality, oh yeah, then there's no arguing. They're they're numbers. They're there. Well, that's why I love it. Is, is you know, if you look at the sports metaphor and hospitality, essentially we're going to make a game plan about how we're going to execute this venue or this menu or whatever it is that we're going to do. Then we're going to go out and play the game. We're going to we're going to see how it goes, and then we're going to look at the numbers and the video and the game tape and see what do we do well, what do we fail at, how can we get better and make a better game plan. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah. And um, you, you know, your Super Bowl is you stay in business for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the Super Bowl was not dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's I, I find that part really interesting, and that that kind of translates to um, a lot of what you're doing here in Rochester now, right? I mean, we're because you said you did consulting. Yeah, I do a lot of profitability consulting right now and helping people shape their concept before they launch it, which is huge privilege to be able to work with people on their dreams. So Yeah, because, I mean, where I first heard of you was with the uh, the bar that's behind Fuego. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is right near Parcel 5 downtown. Mm-hmm. Heart of downtown. Yeah. Like you're talking about. And uh, that's the uh, Nagel's Observance Bar. Yeah, it's Eric Nagel's place. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, again, it's... You know, it's it's this area that's been trying to reinvent itself over the last two years or so now, um, between uh, between Bronca Midtown showing up, between Fuego moving in there, between mm-hmm. the work happening over at the Sibley Building, mm-hmm. uh, and all all the huge political talk going around Parcel Five. Right. Um, this bar opens right there with some fanfare, but it's it's an understated kind of place in a lot of ways. Yeah. Just simple things done. Well, I mean, classics and a small selection of craft beers, some wine, but really focused on hospitality and just being a neighborhood neighborhood style place for the new inhabitants of Midtown. Yeah. And I think that is, I mean, by definition, that is a neighborhood place. Yeah, definitely. Which I think falls right in, again, falls right into your wheelhouse. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that that's kind of, you know, one thing that I loved about the Golden Gopher in downtown, and that was the first two and three joint, you know, Um, what was cool about it was that the city was gritty and we were kind of breaking new ground by putting this cocktail bar there that had fresh ingredients and great spirits and all, you know, proper technique, all the stuff. So the things we all take for granted right now, right? At this point, we we know them as kind of like common <laughs> vernacular, but at that point, that was not a well defined space at all. That was right. a new thing, you know. Um, people were still drinking the, the vodka rainbow where you have like every flavor of absolute <laughs> or, or, or or a pinnacle on your bar. You well, know? there's there's very few things that I notice right away. And makes it just turns me off completely when I see you know ten different flavors, flavors yeah. of of vodka sitting on a bar. It it just turns me off right away. I don't want to. I don't want to sit there. Well, it makes me nervous in a way about not just the. Pro- I can appreciate your program, you know, but sure. it, it, it makes me wonder if you're progressive in other ways. Like for example, basics. Like is your spot clean? You know, like have you taken the time to be modern about the way that you're going to operate? So. Yeah, because I, I remember, I remember you had a social media post about was it a fruit fly in a drink? Oh yeah, yeah, that's that was a terrible experience. I'll but I mean, you. that's yeah. I, I tell tell me about that because I've I've seen it on some of the, you know, the bar horror shows, yeah, which are obviously overstated and crazy, but mm-hmm. those things are based in some sort of reality. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I know I'm not going to die from a fruit fly. I'm a grown-up. Of you course. Know? But at the same time, I'm sitting here just trying to enjoy a conversation, and I look down, and there's not like one, but there's like three in there. So what is that a sign of when you see that? Um, well, clearly the, the cleanliness standard isn't there, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. And that's but, protecting your bottles, right? Because they're, yeah. they'll actually they go into the bottles, yep. and they die. So that bottle should be sealed up one way or another, whether you're using a bottle top protector or whether you just unscrew and screw back on bottles, which is my preference for yeah. sure. But, um, you know, I, I was more surprised than anything. I, like I said, I'm I'm an adult. I can navigate a couple of flies and not die from it. Sure, sure. But just as a person who spends all my time for fun and professionally trying to enhance other people's experience, I'm like, nobody cared for what I'm I'm going to experience here. Right. Know, so. Yeah, and that when it when it takes away... I mean, that's the thing. You can Some things can be neutral because not everything is going to strike every person mm-hmm. at a big plus. Mm-hmm. Even if it's well-crafted, even if it's well-thought-out, some things aren't going to strike people as a big plus. Maybe it's neutral, but you really don't want to take away from their experience. Well, I'm, I have an ice company, you know? Right, and I right. look at that, and I'm like, people are like, you sell ice. What's that about? You know? <laughs> Which is a normal question to ask. Yeah, of course. Know? But... um Different application for different things in the same way that when you look at cars, you know, you have your Yugo and you have your Honda and you have your Mercedes and you have your Bentley, you know, I think that all things kind of exist on that continuum or that spectrum. So the idea that, you know, we have different levels of spirits, clearly there's well call top shelf and premium premium, you know, so the idea that ice kind of falls in that spectrum too resonates with me and my background. I mean, I'm really fortunate to have come from a hospitality company that owned an ice house. So Penny Pound Ice is a place in Los Angeles where I learned about the process of making the ice and how to cut it and why it's valuable. But, you know, had I not had that experience, I I would probably be like, why you sell ice too? Right. Yeah, Yeah, we're definitely going to dive into some of the nerdery in the second half of this. (laughs) Um, But what I do want to do, when you just brought up uh, 213 again, I know it's a big part of your life, even yeah. though you moved away. Um, I don't know. Why, why don't you talk a little bit about how, I mean, how, obviously you've grown, you grew a lot working for them, mm-hmm. but like, how does it affect you moving on as you leave Los Angeles and you come back home to Rochester? Um, it's, it's cool and weird at the same time. Yeah. Cause a lot of my friends are there. Of course. So you feel disconnected from your friends or family, but, um, I think a couple of different things about it. Uh, number one, we always talk about being family, family for life. And I have mat- matching tattoos with like half of those guys. So <laughs> we, we're literally connected. And um, I talk to a lot of them still. So I, I think that they're rooting for me. I'm rooting for them. <clears throat> yeah. I, I would hope so after all these years. You know? Right. And things were on great terms when I had to move. But um, I feel like it was time for me to kind of start making my own mark outside of the company. I feel like I did... A lot of cool stuff with amazing people, and we built stuff that will last forever. But um, I see what Rochester's in the middle of, and the people who've kind of built that bedrock that we're building on top of, and to be home near my family, building an amazing, you know, support on top of that structure that's already there is an awesome privilege. Yeah, because I mean, that's it's a really cool time to be here. Oh, yeah. Because the velocity of change right now is, it's almost hard to keep up with. Yeah, I mean, between the things that Chuck and Charlie Fitzsimmons and Josh Miles and the Swans and, you know, just countless people. I could literally sit here for 10 minutes and name oh, projects yeah. that I love and what's going on. But 
these people who had the guts and the forethought to start building this stuff, it's phew, hats off. It's awesome. Yeah, and you see, I mean, you see new places popping up. There's a new place popping up in the uh, Metropolitan downtown. Mm-hmm. That's uh, one of uh, Chuck Serenkowski's new places. Right. And, you know, how exciting even, to see Even that. like one-offs, like Spirit Room. That place is awesome. It's so cool. People are doing so much cool stuff. But I think, but again, this goes back to what you were doing before. That is a crafted neighborhood bar. You bet. Right on point for what's going on in that neighborhood. And I love, the thing I love about that place so much, um, and this... You know, if you missed it, you can go back a few episodes to listen to my talk with uh, the people from the Spirit Room. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. They're really cool guys. I've, I've known Luke for a while. Luke um, is great. And I didn't know Jacob very well, but I mean, him and Rachel, I mean, what an interesting pair <laughs> to hear them talk and learn about the poetry side of things. I was just fascinated. That's awesome. But man. that place suits such a specific niche that we didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I always striate things because... That's what you do. You group things together. Huh. It's the grown-up Lux. Oh, yeah, sure. I love that. It's cool. So you take Lux, and you're like, oh, you know what? Lux is a bit too much for me right now. I want a little bit cooled down place, but it doesn't lose that edge, and it doesn't lose that cool factor mm-hmm. if you're on that edgy side of things. Yeah. Um, that's your place, because they're doing dialed-up cocktails. They're doing their foods legit. I was going to say the food's like it's on really, point, dude, it's right? really good. And if you want to get like some of the most like real like performances in Rochester, you go to the spirit room. Right and on. how cool was that? Yeah. All in one place, but something specific we definitely didn't have before. And it took somebody to think of it and yeah. make that place. Oh yeah. That's why I find that place so cool. Well, and if you look around the terrain, there's a bunch of little dots of people doing great venues. And yeah, but like I said, there's a handful of people who've organized and built like multi-unit, and that's cool. But um, the fact that it's not just two, three, five, ten, twenty, even thirty people leading the charges, like you know, a hundred plus strong people who are now in the movement, making great things. Um, you know, I, when I came home, uh, and I, I think about Rochester is home. I mean, you live in LA yeah, for yeah. 20 years, but my family's here, so it's still home, you know? Of course. Um, when I came home, um, I talked to Donnie Clutterbuck. We went to coffee and he's the champ, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, what a great guy. Right. President of the USBG gave me the lowdown on what's going on in town. And I'd come back with the idea cause I've done bars my whole life. Well, maybe I'll open a bar. And I asked him, you know, who's got... Who's got ice? Who's got this? Who's got that? The pieces that I want to make the kind of bar that I believe in, you know? And he was like, nobody's really making those pieces yet. There's a consciousness about it, but nobody's really kind of put that forward yet. And I was like, well, that's how I can be useful. I'll start making the stuff that we really need to get to that next level that everybody wants to be at, that I want to be at. And um, if we have it that'll be good for the culture. And if I end up opening a bar, then great. My, my friends and I will all work together to build that. But, you know, I, I think to find that hole and fill it has been why it's taken off. Well, and I think that's also, it's not a bad way to do it either, is by helping fill a void that you think is here. Mm-hmm. Then you get to see how the market changes as it moves along. And it probably gives you a better opportunity to see where you fit in more. Definitely. And, and to see... You, the cool thing is there's so many personalities in this business, you know, and you find people who kind of align with your values or what what you're trying to do and what kind of a venue you think is good hospitality for for the, right. So having that time, that buffer and making those relationships has been amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's one. I I love hearing that because it's, it's somebody taking their time, not trying to jump 
you know, not trying to jump too far too fast, even though you've had big city experience and you've obviously, you know, run places in your, in your own right. But taking that time to find out where things fit in. Well, I didn't build what's here. I'm just here to try to help, you know, yeah. put gas in the tank or win in the sales. But there's already established success here. So yeah. we're not really making anything. We're making things better if we can. Yeah. You know? I love it. Um, so I think let's, let's finish out with a quick talk about some of the other places you're working at here in town. Cool. I want to spend a few minutes. I mean, I want to spend a little bit more time talking about the place your shirt has. Oh yeah. Cause I've heard stuff about that. All right. We're going to hold that for after though. Cause that's going to take a few minutes. All right. Cool. A lot of stuff going on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's an amazing concept. Yeah. A lot of stuff going on there. But, um, so you're consulting at a number of different places, including, uh, this uh, locals only place, which I've heard a lot about. Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate to consult with Louis Meyer on the locals only project, which I mean just looks super cool. We're gonna talk more about that, man. Um, but uh, I'm working with the SCN group, so I've been trying to help over at the Revelry and right. the, the two Bronco locations, mm-hmm. Buffalo proper out in Buffalo and Bitter Honey. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm working with the fellows who used to be at Dickies who are now doing the Swilberg Republic project. Oh, I haven't heard about that. Oh yeah, that's a pretty cool one. Oh, um, that's I definitely want to hear more about that too. Very good, and you know some other ones. I got I got a handful of other ones that I'm oh, working cool. on. I, about a dozen different concepts I'm working Th- on. Some right things now. in work, not quite public yet. And yeah, uh, yeah, some big ones that I I'm I'm working on. That's good. <laughs> well, it's good. I, I love to hear about that. Cool. So um yeah, let's let's take a quick break. Let's dive into a couple more of those. And then let's nerd out about ice for a little bit because, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's way too cool. Cool. I'm excited. So let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. This week's episode of the Food About Town podcast is brought to you by Frankly. And that's frankly.com, P-H-R-A-N-K-L-Y.com. Frankly is the best way to find out where your local restaurant sources their food from and how to find that specialty product you love so much. Frankly.com has been recently redesigned. So please check it out and let me know what you think. You can reach me, Stromy, at frankly.com. Check out Frankly at frankly.com and join the open source food movement. And we're back. So spent a few minutes talking with the wife, the sick wife over on the couch over there. Yeah, don't give me that face over there. Uh, <laughs> we, spent, we spent a few minutes talking with her about her career. But we're here talking to Ralph Tatucci from... Do, do, does your consulting have a name, or is it just you? Yeah, it's Good Deed Hospitality. Good Deed Hospitality. Mm-hmm. So, Ralph from Good Deed Hospitality, uh, Cristalino Ice, yep, and uh, consultant extraordinaire all around Rochester. Huh, thanks. Right. Um, so, we were talking about in the break a little bit, um, and I was kind of intimating one of the things that I've noticed over the last few years um, as the Rochester food and beverage scene has grown is that we're very... Uh, we love jumping on trends. All right. Uh, we as a as a city, we love um, throwing huge amounts of adoration at new places, and um, people are very they're very trend hopping. I think here, I'm, maybe maybe this happens everywhere, and I I don't know it, but it really seems like you know the new places get all the hype, and then the old places kind of you know slowly fade away a little bit. Um, and one of the, one of the groups you work for, which is a SCN hospitality, mm-hmm. which people, as you mentioned before the break, that's the revelry, that's Bronca, that's bitter honey. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of t- bitter honey and 
the revelry are two of those places that have captured Rochester at certain moments in the growth of the community. Huh. Um, I think everybody loves something new. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I think that's one element to it. And I don't think that's unique to Rochester or SCN. I think that people are passionate about finding new great things. That's yeah the, the natural impulse to discover, you know? Yeah. So. Maybe, maybe I'm attributing it too much to Rochester, but I mean, it's something that, you know, you see over time, you see like when the revel reopened here in Rochester, mm-hmm. it was such a thing. It was the place to be. It was the place to be seen here in town. Mm-hmm. And it was, near impossible to get a seat at the bar on a Friday or Saturday. Um, yeah. and the, the style of people that came in, they were the, they were the trendsetters. They were, uh, the people that needed to be seen out, out at the place at the time. And the rev was definitely the place. And not only was the bar staff amazing, the drinks were great, mm-hmm. but it was also the place to be seen. Hmm. Um, and we were, we were just uh, commenting on uh, living roots, the winery over on university. Yeah. Um, which I went in, the design's beautiful. Uh, I know the winemaker. Uh, she's very talented and really cares about making wine. Um, I haven't tried anything yet because I've tried to go in on a, it was a random Friday. I'll go in on a weekday soon. But it was completely full. Mm-hmm. Place is completely full. Everybody's, you know, everybody's dressed to the nines almost. It was, everybody's very stylish. Everybody's sharp. Everybody's really out for a thing. Mm-hmm. Um Sometimes I like it when things die down a little bit. I, I want you, businesses to be successful, of course. <laughs> it's so funny because when it comes to bars, restaurants, hospitality, I love checking out everybody's spot, and, and I don't care if it's like a four-hour wait or like a... a oh, so you're, you like that? I just don't care any which way. I'm like, okay. if, it's, if it's awesome, I'll go play the game. But what's really funny is when it comes to movies or TV shows or like pop yeah, culture, yeah. I'm the same way. Like, I just watched Deadwood with my wife. Okay. Like finally, it's been like 10 years, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now I'm into it. I've never seen Titanic. I haven't seen one episode of Game of Thrones. I just feel like people are so jazzed on this thing that I just have to wait until I don't have to have discussions everywhere if I watch it, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, you don't have to spend the mental energy talking yeah. about it. You can just enjoy it. Yeah, 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 totally. But when it comes to bars and restaurants, I just, I think that, um, I'm, I don't know what the, the right words are, but I'm certainly avid. I, I love seeing what people are doing, you know? There's so many good ones, and particularly in a city like Rochester right now, it's developing, and there's new places constantly. So, um and particularly in consulting to understand like what people care about right now. You yeah. Know? So. Well, it's amazing. I mean, like what are, what are the hot places in Rochester right now for picking the places? Yeah. Living Roots is hot. Yeah. Um, Bitter Honey is hot. Yeah. It's hot right now. I mean that the bar scene over there is popping. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole area right there is popping. I mean, you go over there on a Friday or Saturday, it's hard to find a spot over on railroad street. Yeah. I agree with you. Railroad definitely is, Jumping off between, you know, Black Button, Rohrbach. Um, and, and there's amazing artisan shops, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. Greco Spot is amazing. It's beautiful. Know. Dude, so good. Really and cool great work. Great people, too. Just but it really adds to the... It's amazing. I, I mean, I've been going to the market almost every weekend for the last, geez, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. And how it's changed over those eight years with um, Cure, Fiorella... Um, you know, Flower City was there already. They were the first ones in there, really, on that side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Bitter Honey, Boxcar, Roarbog, Black Button. That's what I mean, man. Everybody. It's all right there. Yeah. And it's interesting because 
<laughs> I mean, we were talking about LA's gentrification. I yeah. Mean, if you were looking looking at the epicenter of like where the turn is in Rochester, it's that street. It's know? crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing that now on a Friday or Saturday, I can't get a spot on that street. Yeah. Um. Well. Years ago, I would never even go there on a Friday. Mm-hmm. What was the point? Why would I go there on a Friday? And now there's six places you can go. So, so I mean, I think that they built a hub, which is, you know, no easy task. The idea that all these no. people believe in the same area. And I'm fortunate. I mean, I'm part of the the, the public market business district um, with Cristalino. Oh, that's right. Because, I mean, I, I forget that it's that's right there. Yeah, we're on the perimeter. And I joined because I really believe in what John and... Greco and all these other people are doing down there. I think it's just such a cool scene and nobody's coming at it from an opportunistic perspective. Everybody's coming at it from a perspective of building community and that's really central to what my core values are about. Uh, you know, I told you I was going to come here and open a bar and I just I'm not here to compete, I'm here to contribute and yeah. to, to cooperate with people. I think that that organization in particular is very cooperative. Yeah. Although I do want to talk about where your where Cristalino is. Yeah, cool. So I mean, that's you're right off of Main Street, next to um, next to Richmond's, right? Yeah, it's seventeen Richmond. So you're right, right next to Richmond's, the bar, mm-hmm. um, and we'll be opening at some point relatively soon. Yeah. Your uh, your cocktail equipment store as well, right? Yeah. So uh, there's two businesses going into the space that we're opening. I, I open Cristalino Premium Ice to provide ice for. No parties, home use, cocktail bars, et cetera. But the front part of the actual space is, um, it, it used to be a liquor store and we've converted it into a bitters tasting area with retail barware and taxidermy and anything for people who want to build home bars or, you know, pick up stuff on their way to their mixology gig. We, we have all kinds of stuff for you. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I got a, I got a look at the space, um, a few weeks back and, it's a stylish front end, man. Thank you, man. I'll, I'll tell it's really you, cool. It, it's been so much fun working on that with my wife and um, getting input from Megan Goodney, my partner at Bar Mecca. Just th- those two are amazing. And I think that what we're putting in is, again, exactly right for that neighborhood. Yeah. When you talk about the development that's going on all around Maine and the Interloop Loop District. That's, yeah. That, I, I think it's hopefully it'll be a great contribution for that neighborhood. Because I think that's an interesting topic as well, because that area, it's it's amazing to think about it because five years from now, almost everything in that area is going to be completely gone. Yeah. Except for these little things that are there that are that are hitting that moment right now. Like you're, you're opening a place that's going to hit that moment, right? If, hopefully. If it's right, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's amazing. I like I like some of the places right around there, mm-hmm. um, like that little seafood stand right in front of your store. Oh man, that guy's amazing! I really love cool guys. Yeah, uh, I went in. I've been trying to go there. It's a jumbo seafood right yep. on Main Street. You bet, man. Uh, really cool people and pretty pretty good food too. It's delicious. I say hi to that guy every day. He's literally a cornerstone of that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And what a great thing! And then uh, there's a Jamaican place right next to them. Man, if that place ever closes, what a loss. <laughs> I'm not yeah. kidding you. The, to, when you talk about a neighborhood, I think the sounds in the neighborhood are important. The smells in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. That guy's grill is like totally. See, I haven't got anything fresh off the grill. because ah, I go at night sometimes. You have to go. You have to go. Because he does like like real deal jerk chicken on the grill, right? Oh yeah. 
Oh. Their stuff's amazing. I'm not kidding you. And that's, that, that's and everything is good right on Main Street. Right. Right next to Jumbo Seafood, right near Richmond Street. And if you look at the building, it's an amazing building. The the brickwork and stuff. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. And the art mural on the side, great spot. Because it's that's the part I find interesting because, well, I think you and I really appreciate those places that are that neighborhood right now. Yeah. I think in five years, all that stuff's gone. I, I think... Most of it will be gone. I think there'll be a couple places that have a good lease. They're locked in, or maybe I hope the so. building. You know? I hope. I hope some of those things stay around because it adds this different. It's a different character to the neighborhood. Yeah. But as these new apartments are built, I mean, those giant apartments over on Charlotte Street that kind of overlook where you are. Oh yeah. Um, I, we were walking out of Cristalino one uh, one of those evenings, and. You look over and you can see the apartments. Oh yeah, man! Right from there, and they're getting a lot for them too. Those are really high end places. It's market value apartments. Oh, yeah, and uh, we're cutting we're cutting ice on a bandsaw in the back of his uh, back of his place. You bet. Which I mean, also, what an awesome thing to do! It's so cool. So fun, man! <laughs> it's so cool. So zen. Cutting ice is the most peaceful zone out experience. And yeah, you're dealing with saws, and you don't want to chop your fingers up. But it's for the best not to chop your fingers off. Course, definitely for for the insurance, <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you honestly when I love my life, it, it's very full, like super long days, super long nights, a lot of hours, a lot of data, a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah, but cutting ice is a getaway from all that, where you can just do one thing well. Is that one, your meditation? Yeah, it's just so simple. One thing done well. Yeah, you know? and it's 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 repetitive, but it's repetitive in the kind of way you can just keep doing it. Oh yeah, man, and every uh, this sounds so. It deals with such minutia, but every block of ice is a little bit different. Yeah, and to really let's talk about that for a minute because I mean you're you're freezing ice in giant blocks, uh-huh. and the what makes it this crystal clear ice is this unidirectional freezing. Yeah, why why, why does that work? Um, it basically compresses the ice in one direction. So as something freezes, it presses everything out of it, including the gases, including the minerals. So if you're freezing in one direction and you're filtering the water at the receiving end of the of the freezing process, you get all that minerality and all the gas out of it, and you end up with a crystal clear block. So I make 300-pound blocks on a Kleinbell ice machine, and um, once that happens, I saw it down into slab ice, which I then saw down into two by two by two and a half cubes. That That's the main product. I also do <laughs> spears or custom cuts, but... Yeah, and these these fit perfectly in your modern rocks glass. Yeah, old-fashioned um, glass. They're double old-fashioned. Is that, is that what this is? Yeah, double old-fashioned. See, it's, you know all the terms <laughs> for all these things. Ooh, I'm opening a store. I know what all the glasses are called. <laughs> Uh, uh, I can uh, remember a time when I didn't care about any of that stuff, and now it's like, oh yeah, that's a double old-fashioned glass. That's a cool yeah, because this this is a bigger glass. Yeah, it's it holds a lot of well, it holds a giant ice cube, mm-hmm. and then a reasonable amount of whiskey. Reasonable, I, I yeah. think that the ice with a giant ice cube in compresses it. the the actual volume. Yeah, if you don't have a giant ice cube in it, it's an unreasonable amount of yeah, whiskey. Too much holds. whiskey. You That'd be way ice. too much. Right. Um, <laughs> but so so. So we've got the ice, and we're talking about the neighborhood a little bit. So, I mean, how much it's changed. And, yeah, I, I do hope it keeps some of that character. Because those places, I love those places. Oh, yeah. Because they're so cool. Well, it's interesting, that neighborhood. I mean, I can remember going to Richmond's when I was 21 years old, like 
21 years ago before mm-hmm. I moved to LA and it was banging dude that neighborhood was number one and on top and like really vibrant and then you know areas have cycles you know yeah. so I feel like that area went a little bit backwards and now I see there's a huge push like look at what they're doing in Joey's in that in that neighborhood man that right. place that place is freaking amazing dude well and they're bringing in guest bartenders every week right and they're really they're really pushing it which I mean, you'd never think. Man, I, I'm not kidding you. I wouldn't have picked that neighborhood, except that I really believe in what's going on there. I feel yeah. like that's the pivot in a way between the public market and Midtown. That neighborhood is the fulcrum. It's cool. Yeah, when I th- I find it interesting because it's it's so near what I mean. A lot of people would consider like almost hipster central. I mean, right next to Hearts, right next to, oh, yeah. um, right next Arbor to the Lofts. little Arbor Lofts, right there. The new apartments, uh, Ugly the Duck. Joint? Ugly Duck, right. I mean, that Rory, place is great. Rory's a good man. He's doing great things over there. Hell yeah. Um, another one of those guys that I just get along with because he's so much himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's hard not to respect somebody who's just that much himself. Uh, I, I love it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's cool to see. It's going to be really interesting to see where that ends up going with your store opening and that whole neighborhood changing over the next few years. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it again because it's it's just an interesting case study in how Rochester's changing. I just I think that neighborhood is again so seminal, man. It's like yeah. it, it's literally at that fulcrum between the market and Midtown, and those are the two spots that are really kind of going off right yeah. now. Yeah, obviously, uh, neighborhood of the arts is amazing. Obviously, South Wedge has momentum and is. Super cool, man. You kidding? There's a it half is. dozen good joints over there, but I feel like that strip up Main that they just rebuilt. You, you saw how much they put into getting that chunk of road right. Oh yeah, right, man. That that's I mean, I was going accident. in there every week into the Sibley building for my uh, startup meeting with Frankly, mm-hmm. and every week we're dealing with different cones and different construction over there. Right. So but it's right. But it's right now. That whole stretch from Railroad Street all the way down to where Morton's is right now. Yeah, is, yeah. is hopping up, man. Yeah, real quick. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we were talking about like hot places, and you know, bitter honey's popping, and one of the things you're working on, you've got the T-shirt on today, and I'm really intrigued to see what it really turns out to be. Is this place called Locals Only, mm-hmm. which is, um, is it right at the corner of East and Alexander? Is it? Yeah, basically East and Alexander. Is it Three, where the Pita Pit was? Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, because that place, that Pita Pit used to be, you know, the late night thing there on A Street, um, which, I mean, A Street's such a young person place. Mm-hmm. And it almost drives out older people from going there on a Friday or Saturday in a lot of ways. Man. Because there's so few places that I would want to be. Well, it's interesting that you talk about it at night because I think that that's true. But I think that during the daytime, it's more of a business-type district and it has a lot yeah, of people walking around. For sure. And I think that's more of the type of guests that we're necessarily speaking to because it's almost like a brunch-all-day concept, you know? Um, coffee. Um, so, I mean, what we're talking, we're talking coffee. We're yeah. definitely talking specialty coffee here. Big time, like really focused coffee program. So, and um, I, I know who's running it. I mean, and she's serious business about coffee. Sapphire? Sapphire, how do you how the hell do you pronounce her last name? Courchene. Yeah, she is serious business about coffee. She is crazy passionate, dude. Not only is she amazing when it comes to coffee as a specific beverage product, yeah. um, her leadership skills are awesome, and she's just a cool person. Yeah, she she's a good one. Um, they're in great hands with her, and also. Um, there's a dude named Keenan who's taking care of the bar who's terrific. A guy named Adam Pistecki who's taking care of. Um, 
the kitchen and and it's kind of brunch all day is the concept of food yeah and i have to tell you man i'm excited about their food menu okay they're i'm a coffee head so their coffee menu is like me too man yeah yeah. i'm a coffee nerd i mean that's that's it's one of those things that's what got me into craft beverage Mm -hmm. um i didn't start drinking till i was 30 Ah. and coffee is what got me into being a beverage nerd ah so i was i was hanging out joe bean learning as much as i could about coffee and then going over to talk at Tony at Fuego and, you know, learning all about coffee. And it got me primed and ready for alcohol when it came into my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a good transition. But uh, coffee nerdery is coffee nerdery serious business, man. Dude, I, I'm super entrepreneurial. I'm super motivated about small business and about helping people get their stuff done. People are like, I'm tired. I'm worn out because you work 18 and 20 hours a day when you're entrepreneurial. But, dude, coffee and enthusiasm has kind of been my battle cry for the last 10 or 15 years. Really? Oh, yeah, man. If you have coffee and enthusiasm, you can beat anything. <laughs> <laughs> and enthusiasm about, enthusiasm about coffee, all the better. Definitely. Because you were drinking good coffee. Yeah. Then at least you got something to think about for a couple minutes. No doubt. But I think that that idea of a lot of people are like, that's an obstacle. And I'm like, that's an opportunity. Like the idea that you're willing to tackle that or do this thing nobody else wants to do. Drink some coffee, get fired up, get into it, and then rock it. And it's weird how, I mean, our coffee scene is really strong for the size of our city. I talk about it all the time because I love talking coffee. I think it's... It's a great indicator for where the city's going. Okay, I think. so who do you like? Oh God, I mean, Joe Bean's my place. I mean, I lo- yeah, Joe Bean's number one. That's they're, almost they're, not a conversation. They're my place because, I mean, I love. I mean, Tony's a super. He's a nerd, but when I go there, when I go to Fuego, mm-hmm. you know, I like talking to Renee. I like talking to different people of there. Course, you bet. But the people I know the best are at Joe Bean. So I know Jim. I know Ben. I know the people there. So it's my place. It's my. That's my place in Rochester. Cool. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, too. I take a lot of meetings at Joe Bean for the same reason. Obviously, yeah. their coffee's on point. But, for sure. And obviously, they're, even though it's a small menu, I think they execute oh, it well. Man, the food's really turned up. Definitely. But the thing that is most appealing to me about that place is the personalization of the hospitality. Yeah. They really nail it, too. Well, and it's it's been a challenge. And I, I say this honestly because I love the place, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a challenge for them. As they've grown, as people have rotated through, mm-hmm. because their training is really, I think their training solid, um, which is, I think, why they keep that consistency up. But one of their challenges is this subconscious intimidation of the customers. Huh. So, and I, I say this not, not necessarily because they're actively doing it, but, um, and I'm sure it's something you've noticed in maybe craft drinks as well, in mm-hmm. craft cocktails, is people take what they consume very personally. Mm-hmm. It's part of their it's part of their identity as a person. So when people go in, they have this picture of what coffee is. And but it's not just a drink. Their coffee choice is part of who they are, which is one of the reasons why Starbucks has been super successful because mm-hmm. they let you do anything you want. Mm-hmm. They let this customization be part of their identity. Have you had pushback where you didn't get what you want or where? Oh, where? no, I get everything I want. Yeah, yeah, same. Because I'm also the kind of person that wants to experience what somebody wants to give me. Mm-hmm. So my, I'm always interested in learning more about what they want to tell me. I learn more by that than me telling them what I want. 
I I want to learn about stuff. I don't necessarily want to push my will on them. I, I've definitely found them knowledgeable, but as a person, like I told you, I, I love coffee. Yeah. I kind of go in there knowing what I'm like about right now. Sure. Right. So to be able to get what I want executed well, it's kind of like a baseline, dude. You can make coffee. You cannot make coffee. You sure. It's cool. The idea that we're not selling products, we're selling feelings, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. The, the feeling that I get when I'm in there where they make it important for me or they make me feel like this five-minute transaction is meaningful to them is, you know, you know that that idea um, is what I'm not getting at certain other spots. Well, I think that also... Which is why I'm like, I always love being in that yeah. space. Well, because, I mean, everything's taken seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think that's some one of the reasons why I can intimidate people is because they take it seriously. Um, it's not just a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, coffee's not just coffee. Coffee can be all these different things. It can oh, yeah. be weighted. It can be the coffee you drink can be a moral decision, huh. and it is in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of people don't want to consider the moral decision in what they drink mm-hmm. as a thing. I mean, where your coffee comes from, the way they treat their workers, all that stuff. It's a moral decision what coffee you drink. People don't want to think about it. Mm-hmm. There's more to think about. It's a serious coffee's a serious thing. Are you willing to pay more for ethics? Of course. Ah, me too. Yeah. A lot of people aren't. It's weird. No, right? and that's fair. Yeah. You know, it's if people don't when you're talking about coffee, right? Mm-hmm. I again I, I always bring it back to coffee because I find it such a it's a central decision in what you do. Mm-hmm. So many people drink coffee every day at work. They drink um, you know, the worst commercial grade coffee that mm-hmm. exists, pretty much. Um, because it's a, it is a fuel. It's a drug. It's a stimulant. Yeah, and they need it every day, and they drink the worst coffee you can drink in uh, that's uh, you know stewed on burners all day. Mm-hmm. I, I choose not to drink coffee every day because I know I can't take the time to drink the coffee I need to. I want to drink to enjoy it. I drink coffee every day a lot. Do you? Yeah. Are you a coffee every? You're all the time coffee guy. Yeah, I would say in a day maybe one two. Three, maybe four, five, maybe Do you five. make your own? Oh, yeah. What do you do at home? Uh, it just depends. It just depends. Are you all over the place? There's convenience coffee, and then there's, like, comfort coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So convenience coffee is definitely, like, Keurig running out the door. Like, I got to go. Keurig's super convenient. Right. But I love French press. And okay. And I'll say whenever I drink coffee at home, even if it's Keurig, like, whatever, um, we're doing, like, Low fat or non fat goat's milk, and we're doing honey. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, goat's milk, serious. That goat's milk is delicious. Well, my wife's lactose intolerant, but she handles goat's milk pretty good. So, so that's that, like what we have. It's a thing, by the way. I'm, I'm the same way. Uh-huh. So I, I got that. I'm, uh, I'm lactarded. I'm, so, I'm so sorry to talk about my wife. It's awful. Whatever, but whatever. It's, it's, <laughs> so we, we've, we've, gotten to the, we've gotten to the point of discussion where we're just bouncing where the hell we want to go. All right. Um, I've got that lactose thing too. And the great thing about goat's milk is that it's super low in lactose, mm-hmm. um, so I can eat goat's milk cheese. Yeah, right. With no with no uh, adverse effects, and there's some amazing farmers. Um, I mean, first like Creamery is a great example. Mm-hmm. Um, out in uh, where the hell is it? I think it's like Bethany, New York, but they're out towards Buffalo a little bit. But there's other um, other goats farms, so you get the fresh goat cheese. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that's super cool is the aged goat cheese. Yeah. And when they start doing like goat blue, oh, if right. you're a serious cheese, if you're a serious cheese head, it's funky, it's clean, it's grassy, it's delicious. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't have to take a pill, which makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think so. When I when we talk about coffee, I, I always so I always mention Joe Bean. They're my people, and I I don't hide that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I never I don't want to exclude the other people that I enjoy in town. I I, I love mean, like a half a dozen of them. They're great. Yeah, I mean like Tony like Tony Colon over at Fuego, great guy. guy. Right. I've learned so much at the old location. We used to just sit down on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. And he just pulled me shots at different concentrations. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you think about this? What's this? We've had so many cool late night conversations. Uh, super cool conversationalist Tony is. Really cool guy. Dude, amazing guy. But he and his wife, like power yeah. couple, like amazing two tandem. You know? Absolutely. Right. Um, the, you know, the new guys over at Foy, over at uh, Fifth Frame. Oh, yeah. Cool, man. I was hoping we'd talk about them for yeah, a minute. Yeah. Right on. No, why don't you tell me what you think about them? You've been over, right? Dude, I love Wade. I love John. Like, I feel like they're doing a cool thing. I yeah, feel yeah. like that neighborhood's ready for some people to come in and, like, take ownership and make it awesome. All right. So let, let's take a step back. So come from your consultant angle, right? Yeah. What, what do you think about that place as a neighborhood place? Yeah, definitely. Isn't that. it kind of the, like the definition of that new neighborhood that's there? Oh, yeah. You want to hear the craziest thing? Um, I went there for a meeting with Sapphire. And yeah, yeah. It was a great meeting. Of course. And afterwards, I went to have coffee. They were like, ah, we're done. And I was like, no sweat. I'll get a, a granola bar. Um, the woman who was making their in-house treats, quote unquote, yeah, uh, including the granola bar. There was like a lemon bar or whatever. It, dude, so amazing. If I'm not mistaken, it's Aubrey who used to work at Bronca Basin out okay. in Pittsburgh. And her stuff is incredible. I, nice. Yeah. Um, but that granola bar, I would crush two of them right now. They're so good. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. But I mean, what, a, what a great thing when you find something small, something affordable, something that's just great mm-hmm. for what it is. Man, I can't wait till they start. Uh, they may have two because it's been probably a week and a half since I've been back. But um I can't wait till they start turning up here. I think Friday. Oh, good. This, so this Friday, and this this will be out already um, before that happens, but it'll be this last Friday. So whenever they're open later nights, I think, I don't remember the exact hours, but they're going to have beer when this comes out. Mm. So don't be afraid to go in and check out what uh, good old Johnny Mervine's doing over there Dude, doing beer stuff. John is an awesome guy. Can't wait to see. He's He's got a lot of passion. I'm really excited to see what they do. And I, I talk about them often because they've been over a couple times. Um, we did a, you know, three hours on the podcast doing oh, cool. cool stuff. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool guys. Yeah, we've, great guys. We've done fun stuff. Um, but, I mean, them, we talked about Ugly Duck because, I mean, Rory, I mean, he's right in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of your neighborhood coffee place. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, the environment they've captured there is so specific. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of the place, whenever you go in, you almost always see somebody you know. Well, you were talking about, like, capturing a moment, you know? Yeah. I feel like those guys are at the right place at the right time. That neighborhood's coming along, and they need a congregation point. Yeah. Uh, I think that that serves really well as kind of, like, that daytime hub, you know? it is, yeah, and especially in that neighborhood, yeah. Um, and then you know, you know, I, I never want to forget. I mean, Glen Edith is oh man, they're a big player in the game, yeah, between Boxcar, between the two locations of what they're doing. I don't end up there as much as I probably should, but I mean, they're killing a certain market, it's the young person market, you know what it is, man. It's it's that same thing we were talking about, about like Rohrbach and some of the big, it, they're, they've gotten to a point of success that you almost take them for granted because you yeah. know they're great, and you're like, well, let me try other things on, but. I, I think those guys are crushing it. Their yeah. stuff's awesome. And it's I the the thing I find interesting about it is 
you guys opening, if Locals Only is opening at the corner of A Street and East, mm-hmm. you're not that far away from any of these places. Mm-hmm. You're not that far away from Glen Edith mm-hmm. over on, or you know, the heart of Park Ave. Mm-hmm. You're not that far away from Ugly Duck. You're not that far away from Joe Bean. Mm-hmm. Um, but that neighborhood specifically, I think we're getting this striation of neighborhoods in Rochester now mm-hmm. where that specific area could use a, you know this place, could use a place that's open all day, it's open ladyish. Mm-hmm. It's serving food. It's serving drinks. It's serving coffee. Mm-hmm. All in the same place. Fresh juice, fresh squeezed juice. So their program's pretty deep. I think their differentiation is their their, their range. They're yeah. Between the coffee, the fresh juice, uh, breakfast, brunch, lunch, afternoon coffee, dinner, cocktails at night. I mean, they're kind of touching every piece of the game. Full so, service. I mean, oh, it's a yeah. real, it's a full service, full day place. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be quick serve or full serve. No, I mean, I, when I say full service, I mean like you're really capturing the whole day. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. E- each piece of the period for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, we're going to go. I mean, from, quick service makes sense. I wouldn't be a full service place yeah, personally. Right. Um, so 6.30 a.m. till 10 p.m. Perfect. Is kind of what they're talking about, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And that's that whole neighborhood. People live over there. Oh, yeah. People forget about that. There's like people live, there's houses over there. People forget there's people living in that neighborhood. They well, need something like that. I'll say it's been interesting because doing the data analysis for, you know, our projected sales. Right, and right. How, how we're going to work backwards to try to make it a business. Um, you learn a lot about a neighborhood and you'd be really surprised how many people live right in that corridor. Yeah. And how many cars zip by that place every day in that corridor. That's an incredibly active chunk of our city, man. Yeah. So it's, I love when some, you know, passionate people come together to try something new. And I mean, the only thing time will tell, of Mm -hmm. course, just like any other place. But I think with the people that have been assembled, that it's got that opportunity to become the mainstay of that neighborhood. Uh, I think it could be. Well, you know, we were talking about uh, Ugly Duckling as a daytime yeah, yeah, hub. Yeah. You know, that idea that people come there and you can take a meeting there or you can have a cup of coffee there and meet your friends there or, you know, waste some time there. But it serves as that daytime community point. Um, similarly, I think that Locals has an opportunity in that other neighborhood to become that daytime community point. So, Which is so cool. Man. Yeah, I, I think that they definitely need it, particularly in a neighborhood that I, I feel like has been defined primarily by nightlife rather than what goes yeah. on during the day. And nightlife that's kind of been stunted a little bit over over time. I think it's growing now. You know, mm-hmm. when you got when you've got the refresher, when you've got um, Ox, yeah, when you got Ox and Stone right there, yeah, um, and down the other way you got Masons. There's you know Murphy's. There's a bunch of stuff on that corner, and is it all? What I think is great about it and it's funny because bars are uh, – there's so many kinds of them. You know? Right. So the idea that we have frat bar, nightclub, um, dance club, neighborhood bar, Irish pub, restaurant, like to have that variety all in a hub. Right, because they've got they've got an English bar that nowhere else in town has. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tap and Malik kind of, but that place right there mm-hmm. is so specific. Why am I losing the name of it? Old Toad. Old Toad is so specific. Yeah. And it's a stalwart. I used to go there 20 years ago. Right. There's nowhere like it in mm-hmm. Rochester other than right there. Yeah. You bet. It's crazy to me that I can walk in there and remember 20 years ago standing at that bar waiting for drinks with my friends. Yeah. And they still 
are doing a great trade and are part of that community and have their place defined. Yeah. That that that's what's so cool about bars is that it's almost like books. Um if you're a great one, you almost never go out of style. People always yeah. have a use for you in your lesson, you know? Yeah, when it's, you know, it's one of those things I, I always, I regret the fact that um, life has become busy over the years. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you can you can uh, understand that part of it. I don't get to go back and read as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. I, used to I love reading books. And yeah. it's it's hard to, there's a specific thing that comes with reading a book and you dive into this world. Mm-hmm. Um whether it's fun, whether it's serious, whether it's anything else, there's these books I used to go back to often that, you know, I listen to comedy often. I listen to funny things all the time. But there's these things in books that sometimes you, you just capture these moments where I can't help but laugh out loud mm-hmm. at how evocative the wording is and how precise everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you always hope for that. When you go to a new place, when you go to these places that are trying to capture a neighborhood, that it really does what it's hoping to do. Mm-hmm. And that's when, when you read a great book, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's making you laugh. It's making you crazy. It's making you fear the fear the terror in the book mm-hmm. um, because it, it engages different parts of your mind. And you hope that you go to a new place and it does the same thing. Well, it's so funny. We were talking earlier about the little things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Little things making the difference. I mean, a cocktail pick or a napkin or a doily coaster or the way that that window is inset instead of outset or the 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 bartender in front of you. There, there's so many little details that define an experience. And at the end of the day that's what we're selling experiences it's not uh, we used to laugh all the time at two and three and talk about how the food and beverage are free the experience is what we're really selling and that's true like you know you can cook at home you can make drinks at home so there's nothing unique or definitive about that per se but the way that we make people feel that's the game the whole game it's hard to beat that isn't it yeah that perfect experience when somebody knows even if you've never been there they know what you want Mm mm-hmm and they figure it out, and you've got that vibe with somebody when you first go in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to do, man. Um, and you know, there's there's places that built that, um, like you mentioned, Donnie Clutterbuck before. I've got that when I go in there. I know that I can get that experience I'm looking for. But there's places I've been before. Where the first time I go in, they capture it right away. Oh yeah, I mean, it's amazing when it happens. I think that people who have that almost—it's almost like a superpower. They yeah, have, they have the vision to understand what resonates with such a wide audience of people. I mean, that's a talent. Yeah. Know? All right, man. Well, we could philosophize all day, mm-hmm. but I think what we're going to do is we're going to throw out some more plugs for you at the end. Okay. So now's the end. So right. why don't you, so let's talk about so Crystalino Ice. Where do people find you? Uh, you can find me at crystallinoice.com. Perfect. Or at seventeen Richmond Street if you want to come and check it out. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, so Bar Mecca is your um, cocktail equipment place as well as your bitters tasting. Yeah, retail supply bitters uh, tasting room. And that's opening approximately. Of of course, nothing's permanent. January eighteen. January ish. Perfect. Yeah. So I mean, check out seventeen Richmond Street. It's gonna be a uh, it's going to be a hopping little place. I'm excited about what it's going to be. Thank you. And, um, I mean, you can check out 
places where Elf has an influence on all around Rochester now, uh. between Nagel's Observance, Locals Only, all over SCN Hospitality, and I'm sure we'll hear more, hear more about all the places that Ralph will be involved in in the future. Cool. So thanks for coming over, buddy. I had a good time. And you kidding me? Love spending time with you anytime. Thanks so much. Right, See brother. ya.